0: The following program may offend those who say fudge instead of another F word. It may also offend those who say fudge when asked to rank their top three desserts. It's Friday, May 8th, 2020 from Slate It's the Gist, I'm Mike Pesca. There's that old saying about the speed of things coming to an individual with rapidity. You know, about life moving in that fast way. It was cool when Ferris Bueller said it. Less cool when Ted Cruz said it. But yes... In the past 48 hours, Michael Flynn was let off after willingly pleading guilty to obstruction of justice. The unemployment rate hit the highest level since the Great Depression. Someone flushed a toilet while presenting a case to the Supreme Court. There was a failed Venezuelan coup, which seemed to hinge on an old plot from an A-Team episode. I hate it when a plan fails to come together. And Axel Rose got into a spat with the Secretary of the Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, and the argument was won by Axel Rose. Now, I wanted to, with that last story, I wanted to do some of those classic old morning zoo radio fake interview things, you know, like Mr. Rose, as you've seen the administration's response to the pandemic, what phrase kept repeating itself over and over in your head? <laughs> Indeed. And Mr. Rose, what words did you use to confront Secretary Mnuchin about his complicity in failing to address the economic downturn? And it would have been hilarious. Trust me, these things are... Can't miss staples of the morning zoo of novelty records, just a killer, killer bit. But then I started to think about this one answer that I was planning to do, and a larger thought hit me. So it would have gone like this The question would be something like, Mr. Rose, what do you think the Trump administration's overall attitude towards coronavirus is? is exactly Trump's attitude, exactly, towards this, towards everything, towards North Korean nuclear weapons. Ultimately, it'll all work out, because it always works out, has to work out. Towards this virus, as he said on Fox News, sitting in front of the Lincoln Memorial. I think it's all working out. And you know what, he said it again today.
1: I feel about vaccines like I feel about tests. This is gonna go away without a vaccine. It's gonna go away, and it's, uh, we're not gonna see it again, hopefully, after a period of time. You may have some some flare-ups, and I guess, you know, I would expect that. Sometime in the fall, you'll have flare-ups, maybe. Uh, Maybe not. But according to what a lot of people say, you probably will. We'll be able to put them out. You may have some flare-ups next year, but eventually it's going to be gone.
0: And it occurred to me, Steve Mnuchin wasn't mad at Axel Rose. He was mad at Donald Trump. And that's why he was so upset. Here is Donald Trump living out an Axl Rose lyric, and Steve Minuchin can't do anything about it. But when the real Axl Rose pipes up, well, the lead singer of Guns N' Roses, quite appropriately, triggers Steve Mnuchin. Oh, the psychology. I'm just glad I could unpack it. Also, is this why Minuchin wants to slash funding for food stamps? Working on that theory. On the show today, I spiel about Kaylee, R. Kaylee, such a helpful disseminator of information in these troubled times. But first... There are many, many podcasts out there about the coronavirus. The gist is often one, but I mean specifically coronavirus-dedicated podcasts. When the pandemic started to hit, I did what every American in my situation would do. I went to Overcast and began downloading podcasts. I went to the iTunes store and began checking out which podcasts were available. Now, the number one, number eight, number 800 podcasts, those shift over time. But what hasn't shifted is the fact that there's a whole lot of them. So I wanted to talk to a friend of mine who knows audio like nobody else and discuss what are the best coronavirus podcasts in existence. And that is why NPR's Robert Smith joins me next. The other day on this esteemed program, I joke that there are now 4,532 coronavirus podcasts in existence. A gentleman, the director of data at Art19, who is a founder of the Beyond Downloads (laughs) initiative, a guy named Chad Heloid, said, huh, that's interesting. But is Mike right? And he did the math and he found out that I was wrong. But by only a factor of three. There are about 1,500 corona-themed podcasts in existence, though Chad does estimate that we have reached past peak corona podcast, if not past peak coronavirus. So what I wanted to do was listen to a couple, a couple of that have come to my attention and maybe yours, and listen to them with the person who's best, the person I know, who's best at listening to audio And the best at dissecting it. Robert Smith, he's the host of Planet Money. He's a longtime NPR reporter. He's the kind of guy that they fly him in to tell other NPR reporters how to do their job. A little better, but he does it nicely. He's great at dissecting podcasts. I'm going to say that maybe, Robert, uh, you're sometimes paid for your expertise in this field. Is that fair?
2: I'm being paid right now, though I won't say by whom.
0: Uh Uh-huh. <laughs> Very good. That's the best non disclosure. So I uh, said, hey, listen to some Corona podcasts. I'll listen to some. Let's compare notes. You want to start us off? What's a Corona themed podcast that you've been listening to?
2: Well, uh, let me think. Where should I start? There's so, so many of them. I, I tried to segment them into the you got your newsy ones, you got your touchy-feely ones, the science ones, the analysis ones, the, the audio diaries. And and the first stretch that I went through was just the hard news ones. ABC, the Irish Times, the BBC, NPR has one too. And and these are fine. These are if you if you actually have something to do all day and you want to just have someone catch you up. I particularly liked the BBC one. This is the Coronavirus Global Update on Friday the 8th of May. I'm Andrew Peach. The World Health Organization... It is. Yeah. It could it's so, so weird because really exactly. it's these little stories that I'm not paying attention to because I'm a little focused on New York City and focused on the United States of America. And so if you want to be filled with trivia, for instance, Germany is opening churches, but is outlawing singing, because <laughs> singing spreads the virus more. I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Oh, they also had a whole thing about the protections for uh, for taking communion in Germany. And then they had another story about how Madrid, in Madrid, they're putting movie screens on trucks and driving mm-hmm. them in front of apartment buildings so everyone can look out the window and watch the same movie from the apartment building. So. Ah. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird. It's it's tiny little anecdotes, but it's the kind you don't hear from around the world. Uh, BBC is very good at this.
0: And these are just existing BBC pieces that they put together for this podcast, which is called the Coronavirus Global Update.
2: Oh, thank you for the proper title. All the names start to blend together. Yeah, a little bit. It's clearly existing reporters recut. It sounds, it sounds very slick and professional and it's very short. But if you want to be the guy at the virtual... Zoom cocktail party who says, oh, by the way, in Tanzania, they're importing herbal remedies. Like, this is the podcast for you.
0: Okay, well, I'll keep up on that tip and go with a huge broadcaster. And this is the most popular coronavirus podcast. It's called Coronavirus Fact versus Fiction Whoa. with Dr. Sanjay Gupta. I'm Dr. Sanjay
2: Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus Fact versus Fiction.
0: It is a CNN podcast. As of this speaking, it was uh, it debuted in the top ten. It's still in the top ten, and I have to tell you, fact wins. It almost is ruining the <laughs> the, the drama in the genre. Fact wins. Now, here's my assessment of this podcast, and really all podcasts. What? And you were getting at this a little with the BBC, but what? is the state of knowledge of the perceived audience. And this is not a flaw of the CNN podcast, but I do have to say that for me, fact versus fiction is pitched a little lower, maybe two notches lower than where I wanna be met. Let me give you a couple of recent examples. They did a segment and they were talking about Uh, food supply in the food chain, they seem to be pitching it towards an audience member who might be saying, oh, my God, are we not going to have pork available in the stores next week? The answer is no. That, I guess, would be the fiction. The fact is, you know, there are problems there, but we have such a massive food infrastructure we will be fine. Sometimes it illustrates points nicely, but mostly it's right there for the CNN audience. It's exactly where the CNN audience is. And I can't tell CNN they're doing something wrong, but it does seem to me there is an opportunity when doing a podcast to not think that you're broadcasting and to do something a little more niche. Although maybe if they did, they'd be the eighth most popular podcast now in iTunes instead of the sixth
2: and I listened to one of them that was a great interview with Dr. Anthony Fauci. It was it was wonderful. Sanjay Gupta was great. Fauci was great. It was a enjoyable listen. But some of these podcasts really like they haven't picked a lane. So I, I listened mm. to the 538's new podcast called Podcast 19. I'm Anna Rothschild, and this is Podcast 19 from 538. It opens with sort of a meditation on sourdough bread baking. It's very like millennial and such. And I'm like, well, five thirty-eight. Like, like these are the stats, people. Am I going to hear politics? Am I going to hear model or at least analysis? like
0: ratios, ratios of yeast to, to yeah. starter
2: you know, I kit. Wanted, yeah. I wanted to know who's going to win, at least with certainty. Right. So, but no, it didn't have that. And then it and then it sort of pivoted to like a more complicated interview, and then to a, a lighter, more featurey interview. And it was just trying. It was just trying to be too many things to too many people and and i really really have grown to appreciate since since it's pretty easy like everyone's experiencing the same story it's easy to say let's do a podcast about it the the podcasts that really really pick a narrow focus and i know both you and i have listened to this one but i love this one so much this week in virology
1: this week in virology the podcast about viruses the kind that make you sick From Microbe TV, this is TWIV. This Week in
2: Virology... TWIV. TWIV. They call it TWIV. (laughs) This Week in Virology, they're on, like, episode 601. So, like, they've been doing this long before you knew what a virus was.
0: And they have they've right, and they even they even start the show by saying do. the kind of virology that's medicine, because apparently for years before this, people were like, oh, virology, like things going viral on the internet. No, it's kind of funny. The you know, it's until you mentioned it,
2: I didn't know whether they were making a joke or not. They said, This is the <laughs> show about viruses, the kind that can make you sick. And right. in my head, they're so serious in this podcast. I'm like, is that a joke or are they just trying to? differentiate it from the podcast that is about helpful viruses and and this entire show i understand most of it there are sections that i don't understand at all but of everything i listened to this was the show where i would sometimes audibly gasp at a piece Ah. of information that i did not know and that kind of changes my whole point of view I'll, i'll give you a couple examples one of them was about um I guess it's people in South Korea who had had the virus recovered and then still tested positive for the virus. And everyone's like, oh, no, like, maybe there's no immunity. Maybe they have it again. And they said, no, actually, there's this garbage RNA. It's literally like virus garbage that is littered through your body. And the test was picking that up. They didn't actually have the virus. They just had virus garbage in them. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Uh, Another thing when they were talking about antiviral therapy, apparently when people are in the hospital for COVID, when they're on the respirators even, they often don't have the virus in their body. The problem is the immune response to the virus. The virus is gone. And using antivirals on somebody who really doesn't have the virus anymore uh, may not be that helpful. And that was another moment where Hmm. I'm just like, oh my God, like that's, I never thought of. They're so smart and they'll be doing this for... thousands of episodes when everyone stops listening. But as of right yeah. now, this week in virology, they're doing it more than once a week now. Twiv, you must listen to this podcast. If you're if you're deep into this, if you really want to know the science.
0: Uh, do they ever go over your head just in terms of the science? You love science. You're not a trained scientist. But the audience is who? Who do they expect the audience to be for the show?
2: I think the audience, as this was designed, was doctors and virologists. And not all doctors. Like if you're a pediatrician, you, you may not understand some of the things because there's a lot about immune response and about experimental design, which isn't even a doctor thing. That's sort of a researcher thing. So it is very narrowly targeted. And and normally in a podcast, if if I don't understand what's going on, I consider that a failure. In this one, there are moments where I feel like I'm listening in on the smartest people on earth, tackling the biggest problem we face now. And I'll go 20 minutes not really understanding because it's
0: like, it makes me warm inside. I'm just like, you guys, go for it. Like, do your thing. Ben and Nate of the COVID Daily News podcast love that one. And I think the other... I think other COVID researchers listen to that one as for what you do with Planet Money as host of Planet Money, where you popularize economic problems. Is there an equivalent economists podcast that you listen to that you take and then generalize to the mass public?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, for instance, I, I really like uh, a show called Bloomberg Surveillance, which is actually a radio <laughs> show on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keane. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and, of
2: course, on the Bloomberg. It's just – it's pretty deep in the jargon, and I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. But I, I just love to listen to it because I think, oh, that's an amazing insight. I'm going to steal that and, uh, and make it more accessible for, for Planet Money. Uh, but it did actually, listening to This Week in Virology, it actually made me think that during times like this, even Planet Money, where we're in this economic crisis, we should maybe get more nerdy. We should get deeper into the economics because everyone's just so open to listening to something, and everyone is, is afraid of what's happening in the economy and really wants the details. Like, maybe this is the moment for us to stop trying to dumb it down a little bit and just say, like, hey, like, we're going to explain deep into the concept of seniorage and, and the Federal Reserve Bank and... You may or may not understand it, but this is this is incredibly important right now. So so bear with me. Right, right.
0: Just like the Corona podcast don't have to take a step back and explain RNA or explain double blind testing. Maybe you guys could just lean right into federal The Federal Reserve.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, the good and the bad thing about this moment is that everyone cares about the same story.
0: But sometimes there are a lot of these podcast networks that say, let's do a corona podcast, and it's worse than the mainstay shows. In fact... Sometimes, many different shows on a network are doing the Corona podcast unwittingly better than the specific Corona podcast is, which brings me to America Dissected with Abdul El-Sayed, who is a doctor and the former um, health commissioner in Detroit. It's on the Crooked Media, the Pod Save America network. In this second season of America Dissected, we'll be keeping you updated on what you need to know about coronavirus. And we'll go deeper on what led us to this crisis and explore the policies that can lead us out. This is America Dissected, and I'm your host, Dr. Abdul El-Sayed. But America Dissected, so you think it's going to be the most corona-forward podcast, But I don't exactly know the reason for it existing other than this guy was maybe in the orbit of the Crooked Media people and they said now is the time for a coronavirus podcast. I would say the ideal listener is someone who voted for Bernie and likes The Intercept and wish Jeremy Scahill can do more coverage on coronavirus because (laughs) El Sayed is very, he's very, uh, let's say, DSA friendly. He had Naomi Klein on the show. Rather than exploring these issues in a way I think that could be useful, they make assumptions about these issues, and then the expertise is the doctor talking about doing fairly rote interviews, I think with people who aren't giving us more insight than you could find elsewhere with perhaps a more adept and skilled interviewer who's been doing this for years.
2: I listened to the uh, the one with Andrew yang in it and and mm-hmm. I love I love universal basic income arguments and evidence. Yeah. I, I would listen easily to Andrew Yang for an hour on that. But the whole premise of the podcast in this particular episode was, so, this virus, does it prove that UBI is awesome or super awesome? <laughs> and Andrew Yang, surprisingly, right. says that, wow, it would be great if we had universal basic income now. And I, yeah. I want to talk about the other thing. I want to talk about the assumption. I don't, I don't really want to hear how this virus proves that you are right all along.
0: Yeah, the implicit question that he has asked in at least four or five different interviews I've listened to is, tell me how this pandemic comports with everything you've been saying all along. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And that's just, I, I don't know. It, it's not that it feels dirty or bad to me. It just feels like I'm not getting new information. It feels like I'm getting less, less smart listening to it.
0: I, I think so. Tw- 25 minutes. Take 12 of those and listen to a great DSA podcast. Take 12 of those and listen to a great science podcast, and you'll do better than this. Okay. We've crapped all over that. And you know what? He's probably done a lot more for the public health and the public good than we have. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, but stay on the, say the do- I'm going to say, say yeah, the,
0: the former Detroit health commissioner and a doctor definitely has done more than we have.
2: I, I do resent a little bit when, when doctors, people who are trained and save lives for a living, move into journalism and often do it better than most journalists because it just makes it seem right. like I, I don't go doctor on the weekends. I don't get all up and try and diagnose people. Like, come on, just leave me this one, one tiny little fringe thing that we do, which is to have a podcast. Pick a lane, doc. <laughs> hey, we'll invite you on. You just don't need to be the host. You got another one? I do. Uh, you know, it's um I listen to two podcasts which use the same style, which is a sort of radio diaries style where you ask doctors or nurses or essential workers to record voice memos while they're at work and you play them in an unnarrated way so it's it's you can experience the sort of real life as it happens. And one of these two podcasts w- was good and one of these podcasts was challenged and i'll i'll start with the challenged one and that's the uh, the washington post it's called all told you're listening to all told from the washington post it is emotional and it's dark and has sort of a sad cello as you hear about this nurse afraid to go back into work and if you're someone who just loves i just love the human voice i just love to hear people talk about whatever then it's it's probably a good podcast for you but like i just have so many questions for a nurse in this situation. And I kept wanting like a reporter, a host, anyone to just break in and just be like, hey, how do you eat lunch at the hospital? Like, do you go outside? Mm -hmm. Do you not eat lunch? Do you eat that food that people drop outside? Or is that just like, like, no way I'm gonna eat, I don't know where this stuff is from. Like, the idea that a reporter or a host is somehow interfering with someone's story instead of helping to tell someone's story, I don't know. It, 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 to me, I think there is a real role for somebody to ask questions, you know, I do that for a living, so maybe I'm biased. But having taken that out, I, I actually felt like I, I wasn't getting enough details of this nurse's real life. The, the podcast that's, that's doing it, I think, a little bit better is called The Essentials Inside the Curve from ABC. And it does the same sort of thing, only they intercut it with news tape. And clearly somebody has asked leading questions, and then they cut out the question because the people in this story, the doctors and the nurses, the emergency workers in that podcast are doing just a much better job of giving me the kind of details I otherwise wouldn't have.
1: It's March 26th, 5.30 in the morning. This is my Monday, and I will now be gone for the next few days working long 12-hour shifts at the hospital.
2: So two different ideas. If you hate hosts, if you hate reporters, these are the podcasts for you.
0: (laughs) So the last one I want to talk about is a podcast called Deep Background with Noah Feldman from Pushkin Industries. And on the criteria of who is it pitched to and where does it meet me, it's pitched to me. I'm the perfect audience. From Pushkin Industries, this is Deep Background, the podcast where we explore the stories behind the stories in the news. I'm Noah Feldman. If you've been following this show for the last couple of months, you'll know that I've covered the coronavirus pandemic from a lot of angles. For a time, I was thinking it should have been called Noah Feldman interviews other people at Harvard and Yale, and that would have been fine. They had Paul Romer, the economist on from Yale. They had Laurie Santos of the Happiness Lab from Harvard. It was Larry Summers was on. It was all Harvard, Yale. And I was still getting, you know, the best expertise that was out there. This podcast, I think it existed as, um, as a uh, one of those luminary podcasts, and then it kind of got outside the paywall before coronavirus. And you could tell that Noah Feldman is a smart guy. Uh, he's testified before Congress, constitutional law, but didn't know he had this breath. And he has just enough expertise, which is quite a lot of expertise, but he is a trained constitutional lawyer. He's not a, a scientist. So the questions he asked are based on maybe the kind of questions that someone who's been listening to a lot of other good podcasts would put to just the best guests. And to give you one illustration about an earlier show, uh, I think the CNN show, I said, you know, if I were to predict what they would say, did they come up with anything different? And the answer in that case was no. But he interviewed Laurie Santos, who is this uh, happiness expert. And happiness experts can be good. But if you had asked me what would a happiness expert say, I probably could have predicted some things about, you know, habits of mind and perspective taking and all this. But no, I mean, it's not that she didn't do that. The... Examples she gave, and the detail that she went into was well conveyed, totally surprising gave me a greater understanding of what was going on. They talked about different ways. This might've been in the Santos interview or another one, but he talked to a psychologist or psychiatrist who was talking about the difficulties of dealing with someone with OCD, where maybe excessive hand-washing is a maladaptive behavior. What happens when that now becomes an adaptive behavior? Fascinating stuff. This is just an example of the quality and great questions of a podcast can override. It's not complicated. Uh, There's no attempt at, you know, a cascade of voices or anything else that would make a producer gvel. But just for someone like me, possibly for a just listener, great podcast.
2: I agree. I, I heard one on contact tracing and it was sort of what I was saying about This Week in Virology, which is it was willing to go deep, and it was willing to be nerdy, and it was willing to just say, like, I don't need to convince you to listen to this. I don't need to dumb it down. I'm interested in contact tracing, and so I'm going to ask all of the deep questions that I want to ask. And we're going to get deep into this. If you don't want to listen, don't listen. I I thought it was was refreshing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Robert, I want to thank you. I think if I was a listener hearing this and having listened to maybe 1,200 of the 1,500 Corona podcasts, I'd have been very edified to find out about these. And if you are a listener of the gist and have (laughs) others that you really like or just even really hate and you want me or Robert or someone like Robert, though there is no one like Robert, to come on and discuss their merits, it shall be a service we provide in the upcoming episodes. Robert Smith, host, of Planet Money. Thank you so much, my friend. You are welcome, Mike. It was great. And now the spiel. I wonder about the Brysons. I wonder about the Graysons and the Hudsons. I wonder about the Madisons and the Addisons. How are these children going to make their mark when they become adults? And for years and years, I've been wondering about the Cayleys. You knew a generation of Kayleys were going to mature, were going to enter public life as adults, and you wondered, how would that go? Well, worse than we thought. If the most prominent Kaylee, Kaylee McEnany, is an indication today, the new White House spokesperson trotted this one out as if it were reassuring.
1: So there's no reason uh, to be concerned because we have a president who always looks at the data as Dr. Fauci...
0: That does not seem to be true. Burks and Fauci were like, ah,
1: could you leave us out of
0: this one, Kaylee? Kaylee McEnany then turned it back... On the media.
1: I guess I would turn the question back on the media.
0: Yes, that's what she did. That was yesterday. That was when she was confronted with past, her past dismissals of the coronavirus's importance and impact. And she went on to quote some stories in Vox and the Washington Post that were also overly dismissive of the pandemic. So there, that addresses the question. Then today, CNN confronted her with her own quotes that were critical of Trump when he was running for president. And she had a similar response. First, here's one of those quotes
1: probably very sick, especially when they see that Donald Trump is number two and doesn't deserve to be there. Okay, Look, I, what do you think of the, of the the Trump excitement? What do you chalk that up? I appreciate his boldness, and I think some of his rhetoric got the base excited, but it is not welcome rhetoric. Look, the GOP doesn't need to be turning away voters and isolating them. We need to be bringing them into the tent. Hmm. Donald Trump is the last person who's going to do that.
0: That was from a Fox Business Network show, and today her answer, well, why'd you say all that stuff, was this.
1: I'm actually glad you asked that, because for about... The first four weeks of the election, um, I was watching CNN and I was naively believing some of the headlines that I saw on CNN. And-
0: Aha. So her explanation is that she was easily duped. And then she turned it around on the media.
1: Rather than focusing on me, he really should be focused on some of the very guests CNN chose to have on their network.
0: She then listed former Obama officials, including Obama's attorney general, Obama's ambassador to the United Nations, and Obama's director of national intelligence. She turned it right around on them. You know, I encourage the average citizen, not just the Cayleys, to try this tactic in their personal lives. Oh, why didn't you file your taxes? You know, rather than focus on me, I ask you to focus on Amazon, which pays no federal taxes. Okay then, but why did you cheat on your wife? Well, rather than focus on my actions, I would ask, why don't you focus on my wife's Pilates instructor, who always struck me as suspiciously handsy. Fine, 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 but Mr. Gacy, why did you kill those runaways? I would ask you to focus on Mr. Dahmer, who not only killed, but also ate his victims. I would also ask you to focus on the more narrow question of what I did when presented with dead bodies. I would say that I just buried the dead bodies, which is what cemeteries do each and every day, whereas Jeffrey Dahmer literally, and I would endeavor to say eagerly, ate those bodies. Why aren't we focused on that? You know, I considered just ignoring Kaylee right from the jump. Like We knew what she was gonna say, how she was gonna say it, and how truthful that was gonna be. But she is something like the chief information officer of the White House. It's not so much respect as curiosity of the institution and what She's saying, and what she's saying underneath what she's saying. Because even if the text of what she says is meaningless, the subtext tells us something. Sure, maybe it's not something we didn't know already that this administration has a disdain for legitimate questions or avenues of inquiry, that they don't think the public deserves to know facts. They don't think the public deserves clarifications. But it does show once more how they think, what they care about, and what we are all up against. So in the coming days, I probably will focus on these Kaylee McEnany outrages a lot less, not because I've become habituated to them, just as a function of news judgment. I would rather bring you here on the gist, news which is relevant to your lives, because there's a lot of it out there during this pandemic. I could bring you coverage of the federal response to the coronavirus. I could bring you important developments that might actually stem the devastation wrought by the coronavirus, but quite clearly, it is almost impossible to bring you both of those things in one. And that's it for today's show. Margaret Kelly is the just associate producer. Her favorite coronavirus podcast is WTV, What the Virus? In each episode, a grizzled epidemiologist connects with famous viruses to apologize for past indiscretions that the virus doesn't even remember, and he always ends with virus. We good? We good. Daniel Schrader, the GIST producer, his favorite coronavirus podcast is Genetic Code Switch, in which a team of researchers chronicles the different ways that RNA attempts to replicate similar strands in an effort not to be rejected by the host. The Gist. My favorite podcast isn't even a podcast. It's a radio show. It's Wet Marketplace. It's the last 10 minutes of every NPR show. They just cut away to do the numbers on the price of pangolin meat or bats by the pound or snakes by the foot. And this is exciting. There is a rumored crossover episode with another well-known corona podcast, Radio Biolab, Wet Marketplace, and Biolab. Life makes you sad and cry. Listen to Jad and Kai, at Stitcher Apple, or wherever you get horrible ideas for podcasts. Umpru Dapru Peru, and thanks for listening.